Abad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam when he was just a young man. Fata, just a young man. And subhanAllah in the Isra'iliyat they say this took place when he was 16 years old. Obviously we could say maybe give or take. But still I want you to imagine someone that young and this story. I'm not going to go through all of it but subhanAllah just portions of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إذ قال لأبيه وقومه ما هذه التماثيل التي أنتم لها عاكفون When he said to his father and to his people What are these statues to which you are devoted? Now what's interesting is that he's using the word tamathil Timthal is the singular Coming from the root verb مثلا يمثل مثولا Which means to resemble something The question itself goes to show the brilliance of this young mind He's asking them why are you worshipping something that clearly is supposed to be pointing to something greater? I mean, think about it. What is a statue? When they erect some sort of monument, some sort of statue to somebody, they're trying to remember that person who was greater than the statue. It's a monument to that, it's a testification and a monument to that person. So he's asking, you already know that these idols are pointing to something greater. Why would you worship them then in such a, in such a case? Subhanallah, and this is a deeper point, a deeper philosophical point that all of the creation ultimately is pointing back to the Creator. Every creature that displays strength is indirectly pointing back to its all-powerful Creator, Al-Qadir, Allah Ta'ala who is the all-powerful. Every creature that displays, displays intelligence is ultimately indirectly pointing back to what? The all-knowing, Al-Alim, its Creator. Every creature that displays any sort of beauty is indirectly pointing back to what? Al-Jamil, the most beautiful, its creator, so on and so forth. You could do this with all of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you get to see right from the beginning that even in his question, there is a built-in point that he is making. And is he asking this question because he is confused? Is he asking this question because he doesn't know? No, of course not. He's very well aware of their beliefs. Ibn Ashur comments and says what? وَهَذَا مِن تَجَاهُلِ الْعَارِفِ استعمله تمهيدا لتخطيئتهم لتخطيئتهم بعد أن يسمع جوابهم. That this is an example of a knowledgeable person feigning ignorance. He's just pretending he doesn't understand and doesn't know why to facilitate their incrimination after he listens to their answer. That's the point. This is an example. 16-year-old young man. Imagine our youth asking strategic questions. What is it that you worship? What are these statues? What are they supposed to be representing? What are you worshipping? Asking questions, not because he doesn't understand, but because he wants to collect the evidence. I want you to tell me. What are your beliefs? You outline them, and then from your own words, I can build a case and try to make my point. This is the brilliance of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And the fact is that we know this is the case because when he asks the question, they answer. And they say what? They said, well, we found our forefathers worshipping them. There you go. There, now we're getting a taste and a flavor of what these people are like. That these are the type of people that just follow the crowd. It shows that there are people who are dedicated to conformity, which is exactly the problem that our youth are facing. This is why Ibrahim salam is such an incredible role model to our youth. Because our youth struggle with conformity. I want to be like everybody else. I just want to fit in. Now this is a group of people that he is living with. Conformity is the name of the game. That's all they seem to care about. Just fitting into the crowd. Well, everybody's doing it, so that's what I do too. That's the extent of their logic. So we get to see that Ibrahim salam stands out. Skipping a few ayat forward, because again, we, for time constraints, we can't go through each and every ayat. I just want to highlight certain portions. He gets frustrated with them. He gives them different points. And ultimately, he makes the firm resolve to go and destroy these idols. 
And then Allah Ta'ala mentions, this is still Surah Anbiya, Surah 21, Ayah number 58. Allah says, So he made them into fragments, except the large one among them, that they might return to it or they might return to him. Even this wording of, To it or to him, what does this refer to? This could mean that, what? I destroy all these idols and I leave the big one. Why? So that they would return to him as in return to Ibrahim salam. And then when they would return to Ibrahim salam, he would say, no, it's the big one. So they would, they would return to him, the big one. So return back to the big one. Then when they go and turn to the big one, they remember, of course these idols can't, don't have any power. So then they would return back to Allah. And remember, Allah is the one who is our ultimate creator. So in this, just this little term, ilayhi, there's three different meanings, all three of which play together. First they return back to him, now finally they're going to give me audience. Now they're finally going to pay attention to me because they've been ignoring me. So they return back to Ibrahim, Ibrahim redirects them to the idol, and then the idol makes them remind, reminds them that subhanAllah, these things don't have any power, it reminds them of Allah. So subhanAllah, this is jawami al-kalim, this is the ability that Allah Ta'ala displays that with such few words, Allah says so much. Anyhow, that's a smaller point. The bigger point that I want to ask is why does Allah Ta'ala say, he made them into fragments. Why not just say, he destroyed them, he broke them. Why does Allah Ta'ala specify this word? This to me, I was fascinated by this and I thought, there must be something going on here for this specific wording. Why does he smash them to bits? What does this emphatic style represent? What does it mean? What lessons can we learn from it? I have three points. The first one, and Allah knows best, it seems that this is showing his rage towards shirk while still maintaining concern for his people. He is not expressing his rage towards any individual. He's not hurting anybody. He's not smashing any person. What is he doing? He is taking out this frustration of falsehood upon the idol itself or the idols themselves. He is not attacking the mushrik or the kafir. Rather, he is attacking what? The shirk and the kufr itself while still wanting to save the mushrik, while still wanting to save the kafir, the disbeliever. And this is a very important statement we all, I'm sure, are familiar with it. Hate the sin, not the sinner. So subhanAllah, right from the beginning, you find that Ibrahim salam, has compassion for his people, but he has a powerful distaste towards this evil. This evil that has, seems to have plagued their mind, almost like a virus in the mind that is destroying them. There's a very famous quote from Carl Jung. He says, people don't have ideas, ideas have people. And I think this is a very powerful quote. Because it's true, sometimes it's not that a person has an idea, it's sometimes that a certain concept has taken over the mind of an individual. Like a virus, it's got in and you can't get it out. No matter how many times you prove that they're wrong, they seem to not, they just stubbornly cling to these ideas. And you can see the frustration of Ibrahim salam. and this is the first point, that he is smashing these idols, not taking his rage out on the people, because he has compassion and care and wants to save his people, but rather on the concepts themselves. Now, the second point is what? SubhanAllah, in a very clever way, Ibrahim salam, is proving intelligent design. See, if he just cracked them a little bit, then this could have happened accidentally. Maybe the wind blew. Maybe there was a slight earthquake. Maybe something caused these idols to fall over and just crack. But instead, what does he do? He smashes them to little bits. And what does that do? It forces the investigators to conclude that there must have been complexity and therefore intentionality behind this event. That's why in the very next verse, what do they say? Man fa'ala Who did this? You know what they didn't say? Ma fa'ala What did this? They attribute intentionality by saying, who did this? They're seeing this is too much uh, complexity and design behind this act. There must have been an intentional 
designer behind this breaking. SubhanAllah, this in and of itself is quite funny. Because the question is, if the blind forces of nature don't have the intentionality or sophistication to even simply break idols into little bits, so what about creating the universe and the complexity of life itself? SubhanAllah. Should we assume this can happen by blind chance? Just this in and of itself is forcing them to question the idea who is behind who is behind this entire creation? So subhanAllah, you have two ideas already as to why Ibrahim broke them into small bits. It wasn't an accident. There must have been intentionality. Doesn't that make you realize, look at everything around you. There must be intentionality. SubhanAllah. Powerful lesson right there. But then there's a third. Why does he shatter these idols? Well, because I believe, Wallahu ta'ala alam, this to me is the, 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 the crux of the matter. The most powerful, in my opinion, is what? That there is a literal and a figurative meaning here. The literal is obviously, this is a historical event. He literally smashed the idols into fragments and left the big one with the axe. Why? So that, they, so that he could make the argument, look, it was the big one that did it, right? However, the figurative meaning is that he is dissecting the false beliefs and dismantling them, each piece separated, separately. That's what you do. You talk to a person about their faith. And then you dissect and you compartmentalize and you understand every bit of it. And then what do you do? You proceed to demonstrate that their beliefs are self-contradictory. You have this idol and this idol and this idol. No, no, these ones contradict these ones. This one destroyed those ones. So it's a phys physical representation of what we as believers are supposed to do. Analyze what a person believes. Study their belief set thoroughly, deeply. And then simply compartmentalize and analyze and demonstrate the self-contradictory nature of what they believe. This is why he asked the question, if you don't think that they can move, if you don't think that they can talk, if you don't think he has the ability to smash, why do you worship them? You see, he's using their ideas against themselves. In a similar fashion, in a physical representation, he's taking the idols and saying, oh, one destroyed the other. SubhanAllah, it's a very, very powerful lesson. What is the lesson? That we can follow the legacy of Ibrahim salam by asking the right questions to the disbelievers, as he did in ayah number 52, and then by getting to the bottom of their ideas, we'll have the ability to compartmentalize and analyze each aspect separately. Why? Because then we can show the internal inconsistencies within their views. The unfortunate fact is that most people adopt a religion as a package deal, never reading the fine print, never really analyzing what they believe because they receive it as a social or cultural phenomenon, which is exactly what they described in ayah number 53. They liked the sense of community, so they adopted the theology with no scrutiny. This is exactly the problem that most people have, and this is exactly what Ibrahim salam, a young kid, had the wisdom, subhanAllah, salam, a young man had the wisdom to expose with just a few questions, few actions with what he could do. Allah Ta'ala then says, They said, who has done this to our gods? He is indeed of the wrongdoers. So it's funny that they have to say, who has done this? Because they can't say what it is that they did. Because if they say, who has destroyed our gods? Why are you worshipping a god that can be destroyed? That's the big question. So they can't, they can't say what it is that he did, because it's too embarrassing. Who killed our gods? Why do you worship a god that can be killed? So subhanAllah, they have to just say, who did this? And then subhanAllah, again, Allah Ta'ala here is highlighting just how much these people were obsessed with conformity. Allah says, They said, we heard a young man mention them who is called Ibrahim. SubhanAllah. Look at the fear. 
Look at the paranoia they have of being associated with him and then perhaps ostracized. I don't want to say I'm his friend. I don't want to say I'm his neighbor. I don't want to say that I even know the guy. They could have just said, who did this? We think it's Ibrahim. Oh, you know him? You're friends with him? You're close with him? No, 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 no. They didn't even say, I know a guy named Ibrahim. You know him? No, no, no. They said what? They said, قالوا, سمعنا, we heard of a guy. Fatan, just a young, young boy, maybe around 16 years old. Yadkuruhum, that would mention these idols. يُقَالُ لَهُ Ibrahim. He's called Ibrahim. Who's he called by? Who calls him that? You're not sure of his name? You know? It says they're giving such skepticism, such distancing. Why? This is what we call nowadays cancel culture. I don't want to be associated with this person. This person is toxic right now. I need to disassociate myself from them. And so what do they say in response? They said, then bring him before the eyes of the people so that they may be witness. They wanted, what? To publicly shame him. Because in the mind of the conformist, in the people who are like sheep or sometimes called sheeple, in the mind of the conformist, they think that the worst thing that could be done is that people don't like you. And Ibrahim salam, is our example of someone who says, I don't worry about that. I don't care if the people don't like me. I don't care if it's unpopular. I don't care about my reputation. I care about the truth. SubhanAllah, what an example to set, especially for us who are petrified of saying anything that might make somebody look twice or think differently about us. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. And then, they ask, they said, have you done this to our gods, O Abraham, O Ibrahim? Again, too embarrassed to say, hey kid, did you destroy our gods? Did you kill our gods? They can't say that. So all they can say is, did you do this? Is this what you did? And what was, their, what was his response? He said, rather, this, the large one of them, did it. So ask them if they should be able to speak. This is called the concordance approach. What is the concordance approach? It is to take somebody's personal faith to their logical conclusion, to push it all the way. If you really believe this, then you should act like this, you should think like this, you should believe this. Let's push your beliefs to their logical conclusion and see if they can hold on for the ride. And guess what? If you are an intelligent individual, you know how to ask the right questions, you will find that a lot of internal inconsistencies. Wait a second, you worship these things, right? You worship these idols, right? Isn't that the case? So clearly they must have the power to move and to act and to do. So you see the evidence. They're all broken. The big idols has the axe. Why don't you believe the evidence? Why don't you take your beliefs to their logical conclusion? He is putting them in a very tough spot. Why? Because he's simply an intelligent young man who can ask all the right questions. Furthermore, it's amazing the, 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 the consistency within, the internal consistency within the surah of Surah Anbiya. Because in the introduction of the surah, Allah Ta'ala mentioned how if there were multiple deities, they would conflict with one another. They would fight with one another. Allah says in Surah Al-Anbiya, ayah number 22, Had there been within the heavens and the earth, gods besides Allah, if there were multiple deities, then both the heavens and the earth would have been ruined. Multiple deities would imply what? No harmony constant conflict. You would not see the harmony you see in this universe. So exalted is Allah, Lord of the throne, above what they describe. So subhanAllah, this is, was the introduction of the surah, and then you find an example of this, where Ibrahim alayhi salam is telling them, don't you guys think if there were multiple deities, they would have maybe conflict every once in a while? Why don't you even believe your own beliefs? Why don't you consider this as a possibility? And then the big question is what? Did Ibrahim alayhi salam tell a lie? Did he tell a lie? Well, we know in Sahih Muslim, 
the Prophet does mention that Ibrahim did tell three lies, kathibat, that he said different, three different lies. But even these lies, you could see how they're not fully lies. They are rather uh, what's called um, equivocation. Equivocation is when you use ambiguous language to conceal the truth or to avoid committing yourself. So in other words, he is using ambiguous language to purposefully give the wrong impression. So, and the Prophet gave the three examples of once when he was with his wife, Sarah, and then he told her that when the king takes you, instead of saying, I'm your husband, because then they'll probably kill me, just say, he is my brother, and then he says, that anti uhti innaki uhti fit Islam. You are my sister in Islam. So he's, you know, equivocating. He's just sort of, you know, saying a truth that's very deceptive. The second time was when he said, inni saqim, I feel sick. And they understood that to mean physically sick, when in reality he was meaning what? I'm sick of your shirk, and I'm sick of all of this idolatry and all of this evil. And the third time is here, where he says what? He says that it was the kabiruhum, that it was what? Qala bal fa'alahu kabiruhum hadha fas'aluhum in kanu yantiqun. He says it was the big one, but how does he say it? There's a very beautiful quote from Al-Qutaybi. He says, He's saying this as a condition. He's saying what? That the big one did it if they can speak. It's kind of like if somebody were to ask me, hey brother, can you fly around in the sky like Superman? And I say, sure I can. Of course I can fly around if you can. Right? Which means what? Well, obviously you can't fly, and therefore I can't fly either. So it's a clever way of saying, yeah, 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 of course. No, the big one did it. I mean, if they can talk, right? Oh, they can't talk? Oh, so I guess he can't do anything. Why do you worship them anyhow? So subhanAllah, he's very, very clever in this regard. And so yes, we're learning that even such a young man can challenge society. That such a young man can ask the right questions. And that this is the example that we want for our youth, which inshallah ta'ala, I'd like to continue with this topic in the second khutbah. You find that Allah Ta'ala keeps emphasizing that life isn't a joke. Right from the beginning of the surah, Allah says, مَا يَأْتِيهِم مِّن ذِكْرٍ مِّن رَبِّهِم مُحْدَثٍ إِلَّا اسْتَمَعُوهُ وَهُمْ يَلْعَبُونَ no mention comes to them anew from their Lord. No new revelation comes to people. Sometimes you come to them and you try to introduce them to this deen. When you give them good points, what do they do? يلعبون. They're just playing. They think it's a joke. People don't take their life seriously. Then later on in the surah, you go forward a little. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what? وَمَا خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاءَ وَالْأَرْضَ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا لَاعِبِينَ We have not created the heavens and the earth as in jest, in joke, for fun. Rather, Allah says, لو أردنا أن نتخذ لهوان لاتخذناه من لدنا إن كنا فاعلين Had we intended to take a diversion, we could have taken it from what is within us if we indeed were to do so. What does this mean? When people say, oh, did God just create us just to watch us like some television show? SubhanAllah. Because we're so entertaining. Allah Ta'ala is saying, your level of creativity is nothing compared to my level of creativity. You guys aren't that interesting. You're not that fascinating. Your ability to write shows and write dialogue and come up with plots for different movies and etc. You guys are very limited in your scope of creativity. Allah is saying, if I wanted entertainment, I have much more creativity and entertainment from within ourselves. Then what does Allah Ta'ala say? So, the beginning of the surah, stop taking life as a joke. If this life was a joke or just for entertainment, we could take much better from within ourselves. Then the very next ayah. So what is the point of life? SubhanAllah. Very next ayah, Allah says, بَلْ نَقْذِفُ بِالْحَقِّ عَلَى الْبَاطِلِ فَيَدْمَغُهُ فَإِذَا هُوَ زَاهِقٌ وَلَكُمُ الْوَيْلُ مِمَّا تَصِفُونَ Rather, we نَقْذِفُ, we dash, we hurl, we throw truth on top of falsehood. And it يَدْمَغُهُ, it destroys it. The word, the verb يَدْمَغُهُ is a fascinating verb. Why? Because it comes from دَمَغَ يَدْمَغُ, which means what? 
Anybody who knows Arabic knows dimagh means brain. It means to crack the head until the brain is exposed. So subhanAllah, this is a powerful, powerful statement. Allah is saying, this life isn't a joke. This life isn't just for fun. You're not here just to entertain yourself. Rather, we throw truth onto falsehood. Why? So it can crack its head open and expose the brain. SubhanAllah, you might say that's very violent, very harsh language. Yes, when it comes to destroying falsehood and when it comes to establishing truth, you see that Ibrahim salam, our example, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this is the job. Not to be harsh towards people. Rather, to be harsh towards falsehood. The verb used here alludes to destroying the brain, which is a subtle indication that the believer used the Qur'an to destroy the logic of the disbeliever. Not to destroy their sense of self-respect, not to destroy their sense of dignity, not to embarrass them, but to destroy the logic of the disbeliever. The believer should be relentless in analyzing and dissecting all the justifications for kufr, and he should be systematically dismantling them. This verse should not be used as a Justification to be rude, harsh, aggressive, angry, condescending, pompous, arrogant, none of that. Because this would go against the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Rather, the believer strives to aggressively destroy the idea that has plagued the disbeliever's mind like a virus. We all know that the world united to cure the physical virus called COVID. And it was such a wonderful and beautiful display of human cooperation that we were able to overcome this huge plague. Well, the Muslim ummah should be even more united and dedicated to what? To cure the mental and spiritual virus called shirk. That is how we should be thinking. SubhanAllah, even if you show, see there's a number of ayat that in the introduction to the surah is talking about people taking everything as play, la'ibin. Even in this surah itself, ayah number 55 in surah al-anbiya still, Allah says what? That when the disbelievers heard Ibrahim telling them, you guys are in complete and utter misguidance and falsehood. You guys are You guys are misguided. What was their response? Are you coming with the truth or are you just playing around? This is a consistent theme. Everybody thinks it's just jokes and play and fun. Are you joking right now? Are you playing? SubhanAllah. This isn't a joke at all. Just because he's young. We should remember that tyrants need slaves. You can't be a tyrant without a slave. It doesn't work. Tyranny needs slaves. So the more people with the slave mind, the more powerful tyrants become, the more powerful tyranny becomes. We often name our children Ibrahim. We name our kids after the Prophet Ibrahim But do we raise our youth to be critical, to be critical thinkers, to be independent-minded, to analyze and dissect and, 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 and separate and, 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 and expose the truth? Do we raise our kids, especially those who are naming them Ibrahim, we're telling them to memorize these surahs, to take this man as an example, do we teach them to be brave enough to go against and to challenge the popular falsehood around them? This is the question we need to ask. And so yes, alhamdulillah, next Friday we have a fundraiser for uh, the youth. We are inshallah ta'ala on Friday going to be getting together, and there's going to be lots of flyers, and there's going to be all the information on it, inshallah ta'ala, so please make sure you grab a flyer. We want to raise our youth to be like Ibrahim salam, with the bravery, and with the strength, and with the conviction, and with the intelligence, and with the necessary tools and questions in order to expose falsehood and to spread the truth. And so, inshallah ta'ala, next week we will be having a fundraiser for that exact purpose, so we can put money together, so that we can have a youth director and have more engaging activities for our youth. This is what we hope to do. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, give us the priorities of Ibrahim alayhi salam.
Ya Allah, make us care deeply for those who are astray and make us aggressive in combating the falsehood that plagues their minds. Ameen. Oh Allah, give us, our, uh, give us and our youth the courage to challenge the status quo and to speak the truth. Oh Allah, teach us to ask the right questions and expose the falsehood around us and to bring the light of Islam to this community. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen.